0: Welcome to Amplified, a podcast about the sounds of scholarship from our team here at the Amplify Podcast Network. I'm your host, Stacey Copeland. One of my favorite things about working on big projects like Amplify that span across institutions and geographies is all of the people you get to meet along the way. Amplify is, of course, a network in itself, but it's also part of a larger community of researchers, creators, and thinkers, sharing ideas and bringing together diverse sets of expertise to reimagine scholarly publication and practice. In the months to come, I'll be joined by key thinkers from across this wider community— to showcase some of the voices and projects at the forefront of the academic podcast and alternative publishing worlds. Today, we go behind the scenes of a scholarly podcast, changing the way we think about and engage with literary archives. I sit down with Amplify collaborator and director of Spoken Web, Jason Kamlot, to talk about their collaborative work on the Spoken Web podcast Spoken Web is an interdisciplinary research partnership of literary scholars, digital humanists, librarians, sound artists, poets, archivists, all focused on the history of literary sound recordings and their digital preservation and presentation. And at the heart of this partnership is the creative and sonically rich playground of the Spoken Web podcast, stories about how literature sounds. If you've made it this far into our Amplified audio blog series, you may already be familiar with the Amplify Spoken Web connection, whether it's through our co-director Hannah McGregor's role as podcast host and task force lead, or through my former gig as supervising producer of the show's first two seasons. Needless to say, the Spoken Web podcast has played an invaluable role in shaping the sound of scholarship for our Amplify community, and across the humanities and social sciences. So here is Spoken Web Director Jason Kamlot on the ways that engaging in sonic scholarship has transformed his relationship to research and the academic world.
1: Hi, I'm Jason Camlott. I'm a professor in the Department of English at Concordia University, a research chair in literature and sound studies, and the director and principal investigator of The Spoken Web, which is a SHRC partnership a research network that collaborates on the development, cataloging, analysis, and research around collections of audiovisual materials that document literary activities in Canada. So I met Hannah McGregor through her role as a co-applicant in the Spoken Web Network. Spoken Web research activities have been going on for over a decade, in fact. Uh, we've been working, we started small with a single, well, single collection of hundreds of hours of of uh, recordings of a poetry series. But really, from the very beginning, the research in Spoken Web has been concerned with not only sort of the nature and contents of the the materials we were examining, but the implications of working with sound for methods of doing literary history, right? So we were really interested in sort of rather than working on literature through the page, which is sort of the bread and butter of literary studies, thinking about what it meant to work with sound and what it does to literary studies to actually study it through sonic materials and media. And so when we, as a a group, started working on developing a vision for Spoken Web as a a national and international network, in fact, that involves a whole bunch of different kinds of projects ranging from development of metadata schema for these kinds of collections, the development of systems and graphic user interfaces for engagement with these kinds of collections once they've been digitized, the development of oral history protocols for studying these collections by talking to people who are actually involved in the events the events that they document, exploring methods of teaching with sound in the literature classroom and other humanities disciplines classrooms, thinking about rights management for the kinds of materials that we're engaged with, knowledge mobilization, as Shirk calls it, or ways of getting sort of the findings from all of these areas out to a research network and to the public um, was really at the forefront of our thinking. Like we wanted not only to be exploring these questions, but to find interesting, innovative ways to share them as they're unfolding, share the discoveries and the activities and the failures and everything as they're unfolding. And because we're working with archives that are, primarily comprised of sound recording, we felt that a podcast series, even though I didn't really know much about podcasts or what a podcast series was, it seemed to me (laughs) like, um, hmm, podcast series would probably be the best way to get the word out about this kind of thing because if you read about it, you can't really listen to the materials we're working with. But if you listen to a podcast, we could actually include the audible content that is at the center of all of our research activities. So that was the main reason, um, from a very naive and ignorant uh, starting point, thinking like, oh, podcast series, like, you know, it might have been like radio show. And probably that's what I first thought, like, we should have a radio show, you know, <laughs> yeah. except like, I don't know how to get a radio show. But I I was aware through colleagues of some of my academic colleagues who were really working with podcasting as a medium of of exploring really intense, theoretical, complex research questions. And so it seemed like, oh, well, maybe that is the sonic format that would best suit the kinds of explorations that uh, we were interested in doing in Spoken Web.
0: You're now into coming to the end of, what, season three?
1: Yeah, we're like at 3.6 or 3.7 right now, so yeah. (laughs)
0: That's right. As the project has evolved over its seasons, how has it maybe informed your own relationship to the Spoken Web Network at large? Because you... Um, Not all PIs on projects, not all leads on projects are so involved in all of the aspects of what happens in such large uh, funded projects like Spoken Web. But you really have had a very personal hand in the podcast and creating a lot of the episodes, especially in the first season. So I'm curious to hear, you know, how has producing podcasts for Spoken Web changed or influenced your own approach to the research?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. So I've made seven full-length podcasts so far as a member of the podcast task force and of the Spoken Web Research Network. Um, I'd never made a podcast before the first year of the Spoken Web podcast series. That first episode was me learning, in a sense, um, a little bit the, the grammar, the language, the rhetoric of podcasting and finding ways in which it was familiar to me. So it's not as though I hadn't worked with sound before. I've done a lot of research on sound. Um, I've also done a lot of music making and stuff. And so I'd worked with different kinds of digital technologies for working with sound.
0: Making the music for the Spoken word. Yeah,
1: <laughs> making the music. So I think it's had a, 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 an incredibly important role in shaping my understanding of what I can contribute as a director of a research network, it's actually in many ways been the kind of sounding board for me of what ideas we might as a collective be interested in exploring, what new avenues we might be interested in exploring, and also in finding sort of ways of sharing parts of ourselves that maybe doesn't normally share uh, in in sort of research environments, right? So you mentioned the music side of things like, Early on, we needed some sounds to go with podcasts, right? And and I was like, I love making sounds. I I don't actually have a lot of time to do that anymore. But suddenly, here was a reason for me to go back to doing something I love doing, and then to share it with some of my academic colleagues. Like, so these are serious colleagues, like who I have very serious scholarly conversations with, and yet, you know, I'm sharing like beats and like you know weird synths (laughs) and stuff with them, and it's like. I think that has created new possibilities for relating to my colleagues. You know, I wouldn't underestimate the value and importance of that for how I've, I don't know, I guess, worked in relation to everyone. Because we we're about 100 people, if you count students and researchers and librarians and experts in all different kinds of areas. And so I think, in a way, the allowance for creativity in my participation in the podcast project uh, has really spilled over into my involvement in all of the other projects. It's had an affective impact, I think, on the way I just engage with the network. That's made it really fun for me and hopefully has also invited other people to just make themselves a little more vulnerable and try things out or share parts of themselves that they wouldn't have otherwise or whatever because it's all relevant in fact it's all extremely relevant to the way and the way we explore questions and what questions we d- we feel are important to explore so the more we can really bring ourselves to the table I guess you know and like put ourselves out there i think the more interesting and meaningful uh, our research activities are going to be but also I think it's allowing us to articulate actually what we're doing methodologically, like you know, because maybe we started out as a uh, you know we thought we were a literature research grant, you know, Um, but I think it's really allowed us to realize how much we are a sound studies research grant, which ultimately means nothing because sound (laughs) studies is everything, right? You know, so um, so it allows us to make connections and links between different disciplinary fields to really realize how much we could potentially incorporate into the kind of work that we're doing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think you see that reflected back in the kinds of episodes that Spoken has put out in the podcast, you know, ranging from language of drums and communication to some of your episodes more on the histories of sound technologies. And then, of course, we have very in-depth discussions and histories of particular authors and poets that are found in the archives themselves. So it is quite wide-ranging. I really loved the way you were talking about um, basically leading by example by bringing some of the vulnerability and embodiment that I was actually just talking to Brenna Clark Gray about in our last episode. So it's a great kind of tie there. (laughs) Um, But bringing some of your own complexity as a human outside of just being a professor and a scholar into your work and how that leading by example can really encourage other people to do the same thing in their work. And I think that is one of the strengths of Spoken Web as a network, but also Spoken Web the podcast in that that first season was a lot of leading by example of of you and Hannah and some of the other leads in the task force encouraging others to engage and saying, look, we can do this fun thing, Spoken Web podcast as a bit of a sandbox. And then subsequent seasons really encouraging graduate students and other folks that maybe haven't done podcasts before to come out and try their hand. Now that you are a few seasons in with the Spoken Web podcast, what are you hoping to see it kind of form into over its next season, perhaps?
1: First of all, in relation to what you just said, it's true. The first season, it was a few of us, I think, who were really putting a lot of effort into making episodes. And you were you you personally helped it along as well. But there was I had so much excitement for certain colleagues who started making podcasts in the second season who were just sort of observing and listening and like, just sort of like sussing it out, but not quite jumping in yet. It's sort of like, you know, having one of your grad students give a paper to conference and you being there watching them, but it was, it was different. It was way more exciting in some ways because you're really seeing them enjoy the pleasures of discovery of the of the potential of this medium for really thinking and for exploring ideas through sound. And so I was just so, I haven't had a a sense of excitement and happiness for other colleagues' work, right, you know, in that way in a long time. So one of the things that I hope will continue to build is just that, that more and more people will find their voices in podcast production through the Spoken Web podcast series, and as you said, it is a kind of a sandbox. There's no set format for any single episode, and I think that's been one of the wonderful things, personally, about about the uh, the series, that really it's allowing individual scholars uh, and students to find how they they for their own ideas can best express them in this medium and not have to conform to a particular. You know, predetermined format. And so, yeah, I hope to just hear more really strange and experimental uh, approaches to making podcasts in relation to the ideas that my colleagues, student and faculty colleagues, are most interested in exploring. I'm also really interested in continuing to frame Certain topics that seemed initially maybe like they were outside the scope or, you know, of of our mandate, which was really, you know, the original idea was, oh, well, our archives are filled with sounds. This would be a great way to bring those sounds into kind of critical context through audio essays and things like that. But to have podcasts on, you know, oral stories surrounding bison migration or, you know, like you said, sort of talking drums, you know, African practices of communicating with drums. First of all, understanding and finding narratives that allow us to understand that those episodes are within our scope and are very much part of the kinds of questions and method pushing that we're involved in in Spoken Web by thinking about how sound is actually getting us to think about literature, narrative, communication differently, but then also how the way those episodes ask questions and think about sound and communication can feed back into our understanding of the literary materials that we're engaged with i think that's really starting to happen in the series and i just i think we're just really beginning to see the potential outcomes and impact of that kind of dialectic you know that's occurring in the series and so i think we're just going to continue with that for a while and see where it takes us because it's it's already gotten weird but i think it's going to get weirder you know so it's great
0: The experience of producing scholarly podcasts can be a big learning curve, but as Jason has shared through his work with the Spoken Web Podcast team, it can also bring a reorientation, sense of exploration, and renewed community building to the research experience. An extra special shout out and thank you to the team behind the Spoken Web Podcast, including Jason Camlott, Judith Burr, Kelly Cubin. Catherine McLeod, Hannah McGregor, and everyone at Spoken Web. We're also interested in hearing from other folks engaged with scholarly podcasting and alternative modes of academic publishing. If you have comments or additional thoughts on our conversation today or any of our Amplify initiatives, please do reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to Amplified, behind the scenes of scholarly podcasting, coming to you each month from our team here at Amplify Podcast Network.